0: Hello, listeners. This is PSG Talk contributor Mark Damon, and this is PSG Small Talk for Wednesday, October 24th, 2018. I am currently in the car on my way back from Whole Foods. I needed a little bit of a long drive after that game. So much to get through. So many sort of emotions to sort of bounce around in my head. So I've kind of done this podcast about two, three times before I press the record button. But, well, here we go. Um, PSG Based off against Napoli today in the Parc des Princes, a game that PSG would have really liked to have won and probably needs, needed to win to make their Champions League situation more comfortable. However, they did not win. They drew 2-2, and that's only really part of the score and part of the whole deal here because this was a, let's call it an interesting game in a certain ways, in certain ways. The first way this game was interesting is that I felt I felt like it, it is so hard to sort of put my emotions around it now that the, the audio is recording. So you know what? I'm going to stall and I'm going to talk about uh, Guillaume Delaporte's interview with Yahoo France uh, journalist and PSG fan Amber Godelin. Now we had this conversation a couple days ago about adding women to our sort of our cadre of uh, of contributors and. There's really no better person in that regard than Amber. She's been around the team for years. She's a very strong reporter. If you haven't listened to her interview with Guillaume, I'm going to do that tonight after I calm down a little more. He's said great things about it. Anybody that's listened to it has said great things about it. We're really honored that she decided to go on the show, give us a little bit of credibility. Not that we needed a whole bunch more, but it's really nice when we can get people that cover the team like Jonathan Johnson and now Amber Godelin to come on the show. It really sort of gives our listeners a different perspective. We're we're fans. And not that Amber isn't a fan because she's a fan. She sits in the RTLN for these, these big PSG matches. But it's different when you have somebody who reports on the team and is around the team every day. The perspective is just different from what we normally give you. And I think that I'm really proud of this, and I'm thankful to Guillaume that he was able to do this. Thankful to Amber that she was able to come on the show. Merci. Um, Now I think I can collect my thoughts. Um, PSG were, I thought, better than they were against Liverpool, but not that much better. They were better in the sense that they were not, I think, dominated in the way they were against Liverpool, but they really should have... Played better, And you really would have expected them to play better. This is a game at home. It's a game you really need to win. And they come out, and I think the first 10 minutes were pretty good. And then it just sort of... Napoli just sort of figures them out defensively. And what I mean by that is... You felt like all Napoli had to do was get the ball out wide. And PSG were in trouble defensively. Anytime Napoli pinged the ball to the outside and let Marcus Rui or whoever go on the end of it, you felt like PSG were in a bit of trouble and they couldn't get out to defend those crosses. PSG's defensively, I think, sucked in a lot. And it sort of cost them in the sense that it allowed Napoli to gain a sort of a foothold on the game when it looked like PSG actually had a really good run of it early on. I really felt like they were getting some good possession. They were keeping the ball. They weren't getting a lot of great chances. They had won, which we'll talk about in a second. But you did genuinely feel like they were somewhat in control of the game. And then all of a sudden, Napoli just sort of were able to find a rhythm on the ball. And it really put PSG in some tough defensive positions. Because, quite frankly, and I think this is where I'm sort of going with all of this, the first thing I took from this game is that PSG are still not a good defensive team. They're nowhere near where they have to be defensively to win a Champions League. And I think that's full stop. I I think we can have conversations about Neymar and Mbappe not being great, but it's hard to be great as an attacking player in, in Champions League matches. It's not this sort of easy thing that Messi and Ronaldo make it out to be. Like, those guys are generationally some of the best players to ever play. And they make scoring in Champions League look like it's easy. It's not. Especially when you have a team like Napoli, who are just a rock-solid, strong defensive team that really forced PSG into some difficult situations because PSG just couldn't break them down. And they took so many good passes that they would need to connect to break them down. And especially in the first half, they just didn't have the quality necessary to really make the passes that they needed to make. And part of that, and I'll have to go here at some point, I might as well go here now, Edinson Cavani. First five minutes of the game, Kylian Mbappe makes a great little juke move against Koulibaly, gets towards the byline. Great service in. Neymar's right there. He's right there. He just has to put that ball in. And Edinson Cavani, for some inexplicable reason, basically takes Neymar out as if he was a defender. And they both go for the ball, but Neymar's clearly in the better position here. Cavani's falling over. He's trying to reach it with his foot. And he almost takes Neymar out of the game. Like, he almost slide-tackles Neymar out of the football game. And he was on the turf for a good three, four minutes, and he wasn't embellishing that either, I don't think. That was a legitimate knock. And I'm not saying that that was this sort of unforgivable sin. I mean, it happens in sports sometimes. But you felt like, in this game, Edinson Cavani, square peg, round hole. Not our biggest problem, but I just thought I'd point that out, and it's going to come into play a little later when I offer a suggestion that might just get my head taken off. But the real issue here is the defense. That's the issue. We can talk about our midfield all we want. We can talk about Marco Verratti. We can talk about Adrian Rabio And we could go into depth about how they need another defensive midfielder to put there to help them out. And that, that, would, make them, that would make sure there were less chances. We could do that all we want. And You guys are welcome to do that. But here's what I've seen over the first two major Champions League fixtures this year. I'm not counting Red Star. I've seen four of those five goals that PSG have given up in those games have been strictly defensive mistakes. Fixable, correctable, defensive mistakes that continue to happen year in and year out. And I've had this conversation and I've talked about it till I'm blue in the face. We're at a point where there's no point in sort of beating this dead horse, but this dead horse is certainly smelling a lot. First goal against Liverpool. Thomas Munier sucks in too far, allows a cross uh, from, I believe, Jordan Henderson uh, that Daniel Serge puts in the back of the net with his head. Second goal in that Liverpool game. Juan Bernat kicks Genie Wijnaldum for no reason. Penalty. Uh, converted by Milner. The goal the first goal in this game ball gets out wide Kimpembe just falls asleep like he just falls asleep and Insigne makes a run behind him ball gets played to Insigne Insigne chips it over Areola just terrible defending by Presto Kimpembe you have to in that situation know where the best player offensively that Napoli has is you can't lose him and I don't care how much money you spend on midfielders if you're going to make that defensive mistake, and you're going to make it in big matches over and over and over again, eventually, you're just not going to be able to be on the field. And I thought Kimpembe got a little bit better as the game went on, but that was a really bad one. And the second goal defensively was scored on another simple against the run of play. PSG had finally gotten momentum in the game. They tied it up. Thomas Meunier... Great run off the right side. Neymar finds him with the ball. I believe it was either Neymar or Mbappe finds him with the ball. Munier puts a cross in. It gets deflected by Marcus Rui and it goes in the back of the net. And it's 1-1. And PSG in that second half, and we'll talk a little bit more about the adjustments, but PSG had finally gotten momentum and they were trying to push to go ahead. Napoli had started to get a little more of the possession back, but. Here we go. Ball on the right side. Napoli gets it to the wing. Uh, sort of a poor cross in. But Marquinhos just falls over. And yes, Mertens pushed him. But if you would watch that game, you would understand that the refs were really not going to call that. And PSG were not going to get those calls. Napoli weren't really getting them either. But here we go. Marquinhos gets shoved over like he's not there. Merton settles it and puts it in the back of the net, and it's 2-1, and there went PSG's chance to win this game. Another winnable game, even though they didn't play particularly well. And this is the point I keep trying to drive home to people, that I think we get caught up in this style of play, and we get caught up in, oh, PSG need to have this amount of possession and oh there's this amount of completed passes that they need to get and there's these other metrics that we're looking at when Champions League football is a really simple concept it's not hard execute, make the right play at the right time and be defensively solid Marquinhos in that situation was pushed over and he flopped like a seal like are we for real right now and would Thiago Silva have helped in this game? Yeah, probably about as much as Marco Verratti would have helped against Liverpool. Maybe it would have changed the tide. Maybe it wouldn't have. But we're not going to sit here and we're going to make these arguments about who, you know, these excuses. Well, this guy didn't play and this guy didn't play. You put the 11 out there. Marquinhos has been playing at this high level for three years now, three, four years now. This stuff should not be happening. And right now, if it's a choice between two of the three... Marquinhos is going to be that third guy and he's going to be on the bench. The way it's going right now. Because he's just not... You just can't have that defensively. And at least Kimpembe gives you something physically. That he can at least body a guy. Marquinhos, if he's just going to get pushed around by a guy three inches shorter than him... In an aerial duel... Like, when he's in front of the guy... Like, what are we supposed to do with that? Like, there's nothing you can do with that. That's just the other guy wanting it more than him. And that's why I was frustrated about that. Defensively also, I thought Bernat wasn't terrible, but they needed to go to a back three. I don't think Bernat was this was awful. I think Bernat's being coached to not really go out there. I don't want Bernat defending one-on-one because he's not good at it. So I thought... Once you realize that PSG needed to be a little more uh, sturdy in the back, I liked that PSG went to that back three. They put Tilo Karra in there. And good news in this game, Tilo Karra can play in a Champions League match. He wasn't overwhelmed. He wasn't bossed around. He was strong, I think. He may have been a little responsible for that second goal in the sense that he, wasn't, he didn't close maybe in the way he should have on Mertens with Marquinhos in front. Maybe he should have been more vocal. But besides that, I really liked the way that Carr played in this game. I thought he was solid enough, and it allowed PSG to regain control when they went to the back three, and they started to get something going. And... We're going to have another three weeks If Neymar wasn't good in the Champions League game He was good in this game You watch the actual game And you take your bias out of it And you take your your hatred out of it Whatever The guy was creating everything He was creating He was the whole offense Because, and we'll get to Mbappe But Mbappe was not here in this game Rabiot was not making the, the runs out of the midfield That he needed to make Neymar was the offense. He had to do everything. Di Maria wasn't maintaining possession of the ball. Cavani was just just not there. Neymar had to do everything. So yeah, did he lose the ball? Of course he lost the ball. Because he has to do everything. Watch that game again. And tell me who else was contributing offensively. Neymar was the guy. He was the only guy that was going to get them back in that game. And he did get them back in that game with his ability to control the ball. He was making guys miss. He was making good runs. He was making good passes that other guys were not connecting on and finishing. And let's get to that. Not a great game from Kylian Mbappe. But we have to all remember something. For whatever he's done, and we're talking about this guy winning a Ballon d'Or, which I think is a bit absurd, but he's still 19 years old. He's not a finished player. He's not going to be a finished player for another three, four years. It's going to take a while. And while he's learning, he will have his moments where he will look like the best player on planet Earth. And then he'll have games like this where he just is not involved in any significant way. And he had a chance in the first half and he missed. And it, he didn't miss, but Ospina saved it. But he should have done better. He had a one-on-one with the keeper. He, When he gets to be 22-23, he'll finish that off every time. But he's not there yet. He's still 19 years old. The mistakes are still going to happen. Fast forward to later in the game. Thomas Tuchel makes an adjustment. He takes off Cavani and rings on Draxler. Draxler does what Draxler does. Doesn't make the most of... I think his opportunity in that case, I think he needs to be more aggressive than he is. I think he's just not aggressive enough. When he's out there, I think he's just trying to not screw up. And I think he's a much better professional football player than to just kind of be out there to not screw up. So, you know, he did what he did. But the other substitution, which I thought was really interesting and I thought exposed something was when they brought in Moussa Diaby. They had him play on the left, and they moved over Angel Di Maria to the right. And they sort of played a four... They sort of played a three... I guess... I don't even want to say it was a formation at that point. It was pretty much just throw everyone out there and see what happens. But something interesting did happen. They're down 2-1. And... Moussa Diaby makes an impact. And he makes an impact, not in sort of a flukish way, but he gives them something. He gives them a an effort, like a real effort, like not sort of a half-assed, I'm going to show like I'm defending. The guy was trying to defend. He was trying to get back defensively. He was trying to win the ball. He was trying to get the ball into dangerous areas. He was getting crosses off and forcing throws and corners. I love Moussa Diaby for this team, and I think it was his insertion into this game that started to give PSG something a little bit different. It allowed Di Maria to go over to the side where he's more dangerous, and in the 93rd minute, with essentially PSG season on—sorry, <clears throat> PSG season on the line. They lose this game, Liverpool's at seven points, Liverpool's at six points, Napoli's at seven points, PSG's at three, essentially at that point you could start booking your trip to the Europa League and the long car, the long bus rides to Romania, not bus rides, what am I talking about, the long plane rides to Romania and Yugoslavia or whatever was Yugoslavia, and it would have been awful, and it, it would have, and you would have had guys not trying, and it would have just spiraled from there. They couldn't lose that game. They needed to win it, but they definitely couldn't lose it. And then it was at that point where Angel Di Maria, the Angel Di Maria that has been derided, has been spit upon by PSG fans for the last two years, at times me included, that saved PSG's ass. Got the ball right outside the box, beautiful curler, right inside the left post, right past the diving Ospina, ties the game, saves Paris Saint-Germain's ass, and gives PSG a chance because now with that draw, Liverpool's on six, Napoli's on five, PSG's on four. That's doable. You have to, you have to beat Napoli, well, you can draw Napoli on the road, beats, uh, Liverpool at home, and then beat Belgrade on the road, that would put you at 11, and then you're hoping that Liverpool and Napoli draw at the end, which could happen, and then you'd get in. Or, you win against Liverpool on the road, which would be the first major road win for PSG in a Champions League in maybe, like, years, in many, many, many years, and then if you draw Liverpool at home, that would put you at 8. Then you beat Belgrade, that gets you to 11. Or you win all three, you get 13 points, and you advance to the next uh, knockout stages. A uh, A lot of ifs and buts right now, but I'd rather those ifs and buts than what was two minutes away from happening, which was absolute catastrophe. So the good news here is that PSG have saved themselves from utter catastrophe. That's the good news. The bad news is, did anything you see today convince you that they could go into the San Siro and beat Napoli? <laughs> I don't think so. And it's not like it's a month away. It's two weeks away or something. Like, this is going to be a real challenge. And they can draw and they can sort of keep themselves alive. But... They really, we can kind of kid ourselves, they really need to beat Napoli on a road. And that's what it comes down to. And that's why you pay Neymar all this money, that's why you pay Mbappe all this money. In the end, they're gonna have to go out to Napoli and just individually win that game. Just that that's what it comes down to. Sort of it's sort of just simple. You know, like at this point PSG season has come down to can they beat napoli on the road in 2 weeks. At least their Champions League sees. And maybe that pressure will wake them up. Maybe maybe that's the thing that they need. They need to go into that road game with the pressure. I don't know. At this point, anything is sort of a crapshoot. But I will say, and this is where I'm going to about to get my head cut off, but I'm going to go for it. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I bench Edinson Cavani for the next game against Napoli. I'll let that register. Here's what I would do. I would go that same 4-2-3-1. I would have it be Meunier, um, Silva, Kimpembe. And at that point, you have to make a choice between Nsoki and Bernat. I think you play Stanley Nsoki because I think you need to have people out there that can play defense. And... Bernat can give you crosses, but that's not what you're going to need on the road. You're going to need a guy that's going to sit in there and play defense. And I, I think you go with Nselke. I think you could bring in Bernard if you have to go more offensive later in the game, but I genuinely think you go with Nselke. You have Urabio and Verratti midfield. Neymar plays 10. Di Maria goes to the right wing. Musa Diaby on the left wing. And Kylian Mbappe... Up top as a sort of nine false nine. This, I think, accomplishes a couple of things. The first thing it accomplishes is it takes a little bit more of the playmaking pressure off of Kylian Mbappe. Because I think one of the issues he had in this game was that he's not, at this point in his career, an effective playmaker. He can do it at times. But most of the time, it just doesn't look great. Like, his passing in this game just really wasn't very good. And I felt like he needs to not worry so much about passing the ball and being in the offense. He needs to just make runs. He needs to try to use his speed. They need to try to play long balls to him to get on the end of things. And to just worry about that. Because him as a winger right now, I think he's trying to do too much. I think he's trying to dribble through people. I think he's trying to make people miss. He's trying to do a lot of the things he can do. He just can't do them consistently. So what I would genuinely suggest is to have him play in that ninth position. You kind of create a little bit of a bucket where it sort of looks like a 4-2-1-2-1. Two, one, two, one with Diaby and Di Maria bounced out wide where Di Maria can cut in on his left foot and he can service in from his left foot going in as opposed to his left foot sort of curling back from, from the from the end line. And then you ask Musa Diaby to basically just play a lot of good defense. Essentially at times it'll look like a 4-2-2 or a 4-4-2 with uh, Di Maria and Diaby kind of collapsing back to help defend. Then Di Maria will play out wide. So will Diaby. And Diaby's job will just be play outside, get the ball, put crosses in the box, use your speed, try to open up Liverpool defensively with his speed. And then Neymar's job will be to create from there. And as controversial... And as probably not going to happen as this is, because if Tomas Tuchel benches Cavani in his return to Napoli, there may be hell to pay. And especially if PSG lose and their Champions League season ends that night, then there will be utter hell to pay. But it's the right move to make. It's absolutely the right move to make. And... This is where Tomas Tuchel, as a coach, has to make the right move for the team and not sort of to try to make sure Edinson Cavani gets himself hot. You could bring Cavani on off the bench, and you could go with a two-striker look, and you could put Cavani up top, and you could put Neymar off to the left wing, and you could do a bunch of things to get him in the match if you really need a goal. But to start the game, I wouldn't have him out there. And again, I know what I'm saying, but I really do believe that what is being shown right now is that they need to have something more cohesive, and right now it's not cohesive enough. And it's not aggressive enough defensively, and they're not, they're not working in the way they need to work, in the sort of unison they need to work. And you saw what Napoli did. Napoli went to the Parc des Princes, and they played defense. That's what they did. They didn't do anything spectacular. They didn't do anything magical. They played defense. And sometimes you just have to play defense. And PSG, to win against Napoli on the road, they're going to have to play defense, and they're going to have to counter well, and they're going to have to be... They're going to have to play 93-plus minutes of all heart, all effort anything less and they're going home and we're going to the Europa League make sure to follow PSG Talk on Twitter Instagram and Facebook subscribe to our podcast we talked about the Amber Godelin uh, edition which you can listen to right now um, we have more things coming in the pipeline uh, just look out for them I'll talk with uh, some other correspondents uh, Sunday after Le Classique. Hopefully PSG will win, get themselves a little back on track, although it doesn't really mean anything if they just go back to the Champions League and do what they always do, but beating Marseille is always a positive, no matter how you spin it. So we'll have some different opinions, PSG Talking will come back, I'm sure they'll talk about this, make sure to stay with us, Champions League is not over yet, thanks to Angel Di Maria, who now want to get this point in before we go off the air. The reason he plays is because when in doubt, when the season's on the line, he can do what he did. That's why he plays, and that's why he's still there, and that's why he's still valuable. So as frustrating as he is, if you want to know why he's still out there, that's exactly why. So for PSG Talk, this has been Mark Damon saying au revoir for now.